This episode of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast is sponsored by EasyRollerDice.com. Warning, the following podcast may contain foul language, offensive humor, and other juvenile behaviors. If you find these things offensive, stop listening now. Otherwise, enjoy the show. And he's a laser-printed hero, a figure cast in lead. And if you say the wrong thing, his crew might shoot him dead. Don't forget about his backstory, the careers mishaps and foes. And if they space his body, well, that's just how the story goes. Thank you for joining us for Season 16, Episode 3 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Samantha. My name is not Samantha. I'm Tim. Hey! And we're back. I have a desk. Did I have this desk last week? Yeah, we kind of talked about it, but I don't know if we did it on air. No, we don't need to talk about it on Did you build it yourself? No, look at it. Well, I, it. I looked at the proprietary <laughs> hardware on the side there. Or are those just drywall screws sticking up? Yeah, I bought the screws and it, I didn't realize they weren't Phillips. And they came, but the good thing it came with it, its own bit, right? Otherwise, I would have been really ticked off. But I wasn't because it came with the bit. But I, I don't know. It is, it is proprietary hardware. It's stupid. What was there before? Uh, one of those little TV trays, little folding TV trays. All of this crap was balanced on that. Like wow. the, yeah, like well, the, the thing that you, yeah, the yeah, the, the, that are in the living room. Those things. It's like a little wooden travel, like you eat in front of the television. You know, right. Yeah. And everything was precarious. That's it, why it the came cameras with four were of them. So one of them lived in here until now. I never noticed that. Yeah. That's what it was. I, I used to, when I first put the thing in here, I used to kick it over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before I had this Mac here, I had a PC there and I'd, I'd like lean back and like put my foot on it. And all of a sudden the thing would go, whoop. It happened at least once in a show. <clears throat> Oops. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, February. What is that? Twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth, and fifteenth. That's mm-hmm. Orcon. Yep, it's Orcon at Strategicon, our game convention, our local friendly game convention, uh, LAX Hilton. Uh, we will be there. You can go to strategicon.net to find out more information, register, and all that stuff. I'm going to be running the FFG Star Wars game. It's probably going to be the sequel to Keeping Up with the Cloneses. That's my my plan. <laughs> and also, I'm going to run. Uh, a sequel to Big Blue Monkeys from Outer Space. Except in, in Moment of Truth. In, in Mott. Because the, the game has changed a little bit. So I think I can might be able to run a pulp game in it, maybe. Let's see. You guys running anything? Do you know yet? I don't know yet. I may not even be there. I don't know yet. I mean, my schedule's been so whacked out recently. Right. And uh, there's been a lot of work coming up, so I, I don't know. I basically said to Dave, dude, I don't know. <clears throat> last last February, I... I was late to my own game, so <laughs> I was like, "Right, Yikes. I'm running a deluxe Tunnels and Trolls game, nine o'clock on Saturday." Is that a fantastic? What is it? Tunnels and Trolls. What is it? What's the dice mechanic like? Uh, D sixes. Is it like a dice pool or uh, roll high, roll low? Yes, it's a, a, a bucket load of six sideds added up. Oh, so it's not really. So it's like hero. In the fact that you roll anywhere from three on up six-sided and add them up, yeah, but that's about it. It's a really simple mechanic. It's uh, basically the main combat mechanic is um, you have a number of six-sided you roll, 
you add on your character's combat adds, which are uh, determined out of their attributes, and you compare that against the opponent, whoever has the um, highest wins and damages the other person. And there's spite damage that comes back, and uh, there's uh, saving throws. Spite damage? Is that what the GM gives rules lawyers? No, that's wandering damage, I thought. Oh, okay. right. No, spite damage is, is if, you, if you lose a combat, but you rolled sixes, each six that you rolled does one point back. To the Because oh, the combat system is... Um, What's the term that we always say about uh, hit points? They're um, to hit armor class zero. No, no, no. Uh, hit, hit points are their uh, an abstraction. An abstraction. Uh. Thank you, thank you. The whole combat system is a big abstraction. But oh, it, so you don't you don't say I'm going to swing and I'm going to aim for this. It's just roll a big pile of dice. Now, is it all? Is the combat determined by by one die roll? Yes. Really? Okay. Yeah. Each round of combat is determined by... Oh, but there are rounds. So it's y- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. just resolve yeah, no, the yes. combat with one roll. Okay. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, there's there's <clears throat> rounds, um, uh, and it's an abstraction, but armor does work as damage resistance. Excellent. So, yeah, it's a really fun system. Excellent. I, for- I forgot to mention at the top of the show that this episode of uh, Happy Jacks RPG Podcast is sponsored by EasyRollerDice.com. You know, for months I've been telling you about EasyRollerDice... Uh, we've talked about how great their, great their dice are, but now they've added some really great metal dice. You know, have metal dice now. Did you guys know that? Mm-hmm. They have legendary copper. Legendary copper. <laughs> and they also, uh, if you you can go on their site and you can uh, pre-order their gunmetal Serpent's Blood series. Serpent's Blood. Um, both of those series. I don't know if you've seen them. Have you gone yeah, on there? And I actually, I have. They come in a little case. The 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 gunmetal mm-hmm. serpents blood. Right. They look awesome. Serpents blood. Yeah, they're wow. badass. Yeah, bad they really are. Badass. Wow, Stu, you prepared. <laughs> I'm impressed. So no. go over to easyrollerdice.com and enter the coupon code Santa. I should have made one for Santa. Santa. <laughs> <laughs> Santa. Next time. Uh, go Enter the coupon code SANTA at checkout, and you'll save 10% on these new metal dice, in addition to all of the other stuff, the big, huge dice bags and the cups and the the um, mats. play mats. The play mat, we've been using that one. It's a handy size for a play mat. I thought, oh, it seems a little small, but it, like not... It's all the real estate you need. Three quarters of the time, it's plenty big enough, yeah. and it's a lot easier to carry around. Also, I'll let you in on a little secret. When you're at the website, sign up for the newsletter because that gives you an additional 5% off coupon code. And you can combine this, I've discovered, with the Santa code. So that gives you 15%? You you get to double dip. You get to double dip. And I checked with them, and it's not a mistake. At least they don't say it's a mistake. So they, they're cool <laughs> with it. You can use it. You can use. You can double dip and use both codes for that. So go over there and check out their metal dice. And the, with Christmas coming up, Christmas uh, is coming. I certainly wouldn't mind if some of the serpents' blood. Thank you, serpents' blood <laughs> for Christmas. That, okay, that might be good. They're Not really that they're going to do anything for me. They'll just roll, you know, <laughs> zeros the entire time. But they will. <laughs> they'll look good. Stork wants the D6 that's all ones, and the D4 <laughs> that's all ones, and the D8 that's I don't need all that. Ones. They'll just roll ones anyway. <laughs> right. 
All right. Well, thank you, you know, very mu- thank you very much, EasyRollerDice.com, for sponsoring this episode. And if you want to support the show, you can always support our sponsors. We love it when our sponsors tell us about how you guys have responded. And they love it, and everyone loves it. So, EasyRollerDice.com. EasyRollerDice.com. And that's the last one I made. Oh, God. I'm, like, I'm, like, <laughs> that's, really I'm, I'm impressed. Well, well Soundboard. Wow. I, I had a little time, so I went ahead and made little things. See, I was just going to say, you've just been practicing that voice all week. So you're just roller dice. I need to have a button I can press to give myself the reverb, though. Yeah. Yeah. That does, that's just not natural. It's not just your natural resonance. <laughs> I could take a... I don't know if I could... <laughs> I could use a bongos. Easy roller dice. A little bit, not much. Yeah, it's a little not bit much. Either. But that's pretty cool. Clang, All right. Clang. Email from Jeff in Michigan. Jeff from Michigan here. I'm a little redundant. Now, Punk Monkey. I almost said Puke Monkey. I read it as Pud Monkey. <laughs> <laughs> On the forum. A comment and a couple of questions for you. I finally picked up a copy of Savage Worlds Deluxe Explorers Edition after hearing it talked about so much on the show. I went in to it prepared to make changes to deal with all of the sameness of the magic system except that's not what i found i was flummoxed had Stu just been talking out his ass all this time moi no um a few days later i got a chance to look through an older version of savage worlds and realized that the earlier editions just said slap some cool descriptions on your spell yes that's correct yeah not here are three pages of effects that you can add to your spells. So while every everyone still has the same base bolt power, my ice bolt, which can now slow a target, is very different than my buddy's bolt of darkness that gives the target a penalty division-based rolls. Uh, the list of effects isn't exhaustive, but I count 28 uh, different effects you can add to spells. Does this help change your mind with regard to some of the sameness? In that case, yes. In the case of... Uh, adding special effects onto that stuff, it does a little bit, yes. Um, there's there's still, there's not a lot of granularity in in the uh, stats, and there's only the five. Yeah. So and, and as certain hosts said, there's really only one right way to put your stats together when you're building a character. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I stand by my statement. And then now the Savage Worlds people will start screaming. But, oh, I should open up the forum... Or the chat room, because the chat room is there, and if there's any in We've there... Oh, no, they're, they're ignoring us. But if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. I'm supposed to do this before. Uh, it's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We've got, we got a Twitter account, happyjacksrpg. We're on the Facebooks, and we're also on the Google Pluses, and you can find us there by searching for that very same thing. Uh, if you'd like to listen to the show live, you can do so. Currently, we're recording on Friday nights at 8.30 p.m. Pacific time. Go to happyjacks.org slash live. Therein, you will see the chat room, and there will also be a little YouTube thing where you can see our mushes. They, yeah. Can you still find us on iTunes? Yes, of course. You can find us on iTunes. And if you want, the Q&A isn't open. They're telling me, let me open the Q&A. Thank you for reminding me. I will do that now to whoever just said that. The Q&A is now open. So for those of you in the chat room, or who I, I don't even know how you get to the Q&A, but when you listen live, you can send questions and pester me while I'm trying to do the show. It's great. <laughs> um, and there was something else I wanted to mention. Uh, iTunes. iTunes. Uh, oh, yeah, iTunes, yeah. We're on iTunes. Just search, search Happy Jacks RPG, and you'll find it on there. 
Um, there's a bunch of reviews. I think there's two one-star ones. But it doesn't bother me anymore. No, because you wrote a song about it got out of your system. Right, yeah. But uh, if you want to give us a review on that, you can go ahead and do that. Also, uh, we do actual plays. That's a separate show on iTunes. Go and find that um, on there as well. Search Happy Jack's RPG and you'll find that as well. And then also I've started doing it every other week, a thing called the GM Briefing. Uh, and that's also on iTunes. And I think the next episode that comes up is going to come up in the Happy Jack's regular feed. So you'll get another episode of it. But if you want to get it regularly, go subscribe to it itself. It's been a new and noteworthy since I started doing this show, the the GM briefing. And there's two reviews for it, or three, three reviews, all five-star reviews. Thank you very much. If you want to give it a review, I'd love it if you gave me a review for that little thing. Now, On th- yeah. are they still sort of like you, you, you give them out early to people that uh, have donated to the... When I remember, yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, people that support the show through the Patreon, um, I'm trying to remember to do that with actual plays and also with the GM briefing. And how would somebody support us through the Patreon? Uh, Patreon, p a t r e o n dot com. So slash, I know slash sr venable, and then you can pledge as little as a dollar an episode if you would like. And thank you to those of you who do that. And someone sent me a, a whole bundle of microphone cables. I saw that. Thank God. Out there. Yeah, yeah. They just I haven't unpacked them. Yet. They have. Maybe they do know how much we need them. <laughs> we, we go through them like crazy. Go through them. So thank you to whoever it is. That was an anonymous one. There was no name awesome. on the on the package. So um, on to my first question. We're back to Jeff in Michigan. Um, my current campaign is winding down. Probably two more sessions before we have an. Epic conclusion. I do need a Yeah, I was just going to say, see, this would have been the time for the reverb. Uh, For my next campaign. I'm thinking of running a Viking game in Savage Worlds. I would play that game. Yeah. Uh, The game will be set in the 8th and 9th century Scandinavia, with the players only hearing legends of magic and monsters, but not having actually seen it themselves. Eventually, they will cross paths with a few of the nastiest things North mythology has to offer. Trolls! Trolls! <laughs> what's the eaters of what's the eaters of the dead? Eaters of the dead. Thirteenth warrior. Yeah, the, the eaters of the dead. Nom. <laughs> Nom. <laughs> My problem is that I want to set it in a real in the real world with some of the legendary figures of the North Norse sagas running around in the periphery. My d- idea is to use some of those people and events as springboards to introduce magic and monsters to the players. Maybe the king who decided he wants to marry the princess from the neighboring kingdom and then attacking when he is rebuffed is actually a nasty monster who has killed the king and is using magic to impersonate him. When the players return from the raid and find out their small kingdom is now surrounded by lands controlled by this king who used who used to be a pleasant and helpful neighbor... They have to figure out how to stop the king's rampage before his he slaughters his way across Norway. Uh, so my question is this. What are the pitfalls of using real-life people, places, and events in a campaign? This is the first time I've ever tried setting a game in, real, in the real world and would like to know what to keep an eye out for. So that's what I'd kind of like to talk about. Uh, he has a, a second question, but I would kind of like to talk about pitfalls of using real places people and events in games i don't think places are a problem i mean we use real life places all the time 
you set your Ghostbusters game in Disneyland. That I I, I think there's an advantage to doing that because yeah. there's I mean like if if I set a game in Disneyland and, and and the big fight happens in the Haunted Mansion, pretty much everyone who's sitting at the table in Southern California is going to look at it and go, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're, like we're going right around the corner where the with the 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 crystal ball with the woman's head mm-hmm. in it, and right, and and, the, and everyone knows exactly what we're talking about because we all have that same frame of reference. Right. That's why I run a lot of games in Los Angeles yeah. or in the Los mm-hmm. Angeles area because that's where the vampire game is in Southern California. Exactly. I can go up and like, oh yeah, we go into the Reno room because I used to go there and it still smells like stale beer and post post work postal worker feet. <laughs> I don't know why. They wear shoes, but it still smells like feet. It's just depression and feet. <laughs> Maybe. So, but, uh, so for, for places, I think having that familiarity, unless the characters wouldn't have that familiarity, then you might get a little metagamey maybe. But for the most part, I think having that familiarity for the players, I think, is an advantage. Okay, but what kind of place are you going to have where if, you, if your players are from that area, like... Disneyland, for instance, mm-hmm. what what Southern California characters really aren't going to know? What if they're not Southern them? California characters? Well, what, that, what if they're it, fantasy yeah, if, characters if magically transported to Anaheim, California? They're not going to know where the haunted mansion is. God damn it! Stop. They're going to have to good ask points. someone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I ran I ran a Savage Worlds <coughs> game where Grendel. Speaking of Viking stuff, Grendel was uncovered in. Boston. I don't know anything about Boston. So I did extensive research about old Boston, about where this right. thing might be and everything. And I set it there anyway, but uh, I used Boston landmarks. I used, like, Boston University. And I, I had a map of Boston Commons and Boston area and gave it to the players. Mm-hmm. So even though I didn't know Boston, I had all this reference material that was already pre-made and pre-generated and, and easily found that I didn't have to worry about. I'm like, here's a map of Boston. Here, here. And that now, and you mentioned something that might be one of the pitfalls. What if you had a player who was from Boston, right? And you get something wrong. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, I, that, mean mm-hmm. I was pretty careful to just keep it like in the park, right? <laughs> it's, it's like so you don't have to know all of Boston, right? <laughs> right. But that that I mean, and that's one of the problems with whenever you're dealing, I think, with any kind of whether it's North Norse mythology or. Any sort of intellectual property, Star Wars, we're talking about running a game later at some point. They're always going to be. There's always going to be someone who knows that better than you, and they might be in your game, or say, or thinks they know it better. Yeah, or, right. And and then it, when you start talking about bringing in characters from that, you kind of have to decide what. Is continuity one of those things you're willing to kill? Like if you're running if if you're running a game and you've got some obscure Norse hero who later on in the timeline goes out and does something epic and the party decides to kill him. Right. Yeah. Eric the Red is suddenly dead and doesn't discover America, right? Now what do you <laughs> yeah, do? Yeah. Right. Um but I mean that kind of brings up my point about his thing. He says that uh, running a game in the real world, but, but you know what? This is ancient Norway, right. Iceland, Greenland. I there's some historic records and things, but for the most part, it's Hyperborea. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, you, know, you could. You have but, the outline of Greenland. You can play around it, and then you you put you can put villages maybe where there were 
are worse, but the rest of it is open for you to do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. It's only real in the in the sense that the geography is sort of the same, but even the boundaries and borders are completely different. Even the countries that border right. them are aren't the same. So you have, I think, a lot of a lot more free room than he probably thinks he has to, mm-hmm. to mess around and play around. Okay. Um, I actually like. Like I said, I actually like putting it in the real world because, like as you say, it gives everybody, oh, like this is modern times. Oh, this is a city. Oh, and and now they can apply their modern thinking. Oh, do we have cell phones? Oh, we have cell phones. Oh yeah. Oh, we we can take a cab. Or or why don't I call them? So all of that stuff that happens in modern days, you can bring to a game, especially when you put it in, you know, like L.A. Like really, we're in L.A., so I can just. So there's a King Taco, right? And we know where to go to lunch. Yeah. Can we take the monorail <laughs> into Disneyland? You know, all of that. Yeah, it does give like a good frame of reference for the players, as long as it, um, like Stu said, as long as it makes sense for the characters to know that same information. Oh, ah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> or you could just attack me with the microphone. That's cool. <laughs> I was trying to do it without having to interrupt. Please stand by. Stu is busy beating Sam with the microphone. <laughs> Poor Stu is trying to be a gentleman and ends up like knocking Sam right. out with the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, you you were making actually a good point there, Sam. So you want to finish that there? Yeah, the, the mic. <laughs> as long as face. he didn't knock the train of thought out of my brain. <laughs> uh, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it, it gives your character, um, especially if your character is from the same area as you are, like yeah. with our characters in uh, the vampire game, right? Um, we could use our same knowledge of L.A., Southern California, mm-hmm. etc. That's all to our disposal. I think kind of where it comes to a disadvantage would be um, maybe if your players do know a lot about uh, Viking mythology and things, it might be difficult. I mean, obviously you have to resist the urge to use what you know about these characters. If there are historic characters that you're encountering in the way that your character reacts to them and make sure you're not like, as a player trying to predict, oh, well, this is what King Ragnar would do historically. So, like, you know, trying to figure out what they're thinking mm-hmm. from the historical perspective. Or trying to figure out where you are in the timeline. Right, exactly. And, and predict the future. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, then, and But, I mean, it brings an interesting question. What if someone does ki- kill someone of historical signific- significance? What do you do? Does someone else step in to take their place and that you keep the timeline the same? Or is the GM at that point... See, this is why I say never run a time travel game. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're going to run a Bill and Ted style time travel game where there just are no rules and you don't have to worry about continuity. Right. Right. But it, if you're running, if you're running a, a game where the, the player's actions are really going to have an effect, even minor effects, which will get magnified over the series... Over time, the butterfly effect. Right, you, you spend an enormous amount of time as a GM trying to piece together. Oh, what the hell is going to be the ramifications of them doing that? And then they go back and fuck with it some more. Then you have to reevaluate it again every time. Right. Well, yeah, how many how, how many alternate histories uh, settings, alternate Earth history settings are there? I mean, there's tons of them yeah. where things in history just. Got fucked up. I mean, there's, right. there's, yeah, but there's trying settings to come where, up with that stuff on the fly. Well, yeah, <laughs> on the fly is going to be hard, right? But if you know, if if you're playing in this Norse game and you wind up killing Eric the Red, I think your GM's got some time to figure out yeah. what happens yeah, from that. Do. But do you, but I mean, philosophically, as a GM, do you want to try to keep the timeline intact? 
There's a reason that you're playing in that setting, right? Maybe it's because of certain events that are happening. Or do you just go ahead and say, okay, yeah, you just killed this significant king who's going to go out and decide, hey, let's go raid Britain. And maybe that never happens. So here's here's my question. We on this show espouse uh, an approach of yes and. We mm-hmm. espouse an approach of... Um, we know what our game is about until the minute the players get in. Sure. Players can, generally speaking, mess up anything that you have planned. Why is a historical figure any different? If you have a big bad in your game that they decide to kill or ignore, right. why is that any different from a historical figure? Well, I don't... I don't well, it's only different because if you sit down... Now, let me take it away from Norse mythology <coughs> and talk about Star Wars. Okay. Um, the players are in a game that takes place uh, sometime in episode one mm-hmm. and decide to kill Anakin Skywalker. Mm-hmm. So there's never a Darth Vader. Are you still playing the Star Wars universe? If there's no Darth Vader? Yeah. Ever? Really? Yeah. What makes it the Star Wars universe? Uh, if not the characters and the stories that make it up, is it just the robots? <laughs> At some point, no, I think you stray so far... I think it's at some point people will start to feel like this no longer seems like it is this setting. Do you you're, still gonna, you're still going to have Tatooine. You're still going to have Coruscant. You're still okay. going to have yeah. TIE Fighters. You're still going to have Star Destroyers. You're probably still going to have a Death Star because that was the Emperor and not Darth Vader, although right. Darth Vader was his right-hand man for that. You're still going to have Ewoks and Wookiees and... and um, Ewoks. And uh, uh, what are the Jar Jar Binkses? What are they? They're uh, Gungans. Gungans. Style. Gungans. Yeah, Gungan style. <laughs> 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 so you're still going to have all those things. So yeah, it's still Star Wars. It's just an alternate Star Wars where there's no Darth Vader. Now you're going to have Darth Schmecklehead. No, be, you know, whatever. It'd be Darth Maul. Because or Darth Maul. Maul. Yeah. Would, actually yeah. Get... Right. Maybe. Maybe you save his life. But, yeah. Or you never actually encounter him, so he just ends up being the right hand. Whatever you could, you could use—that's an easy right. I know what you're saying, though. At some point, you stray so far away from the original canon that it, that you're, you're now playing in the Star Wars universe, but it's not really a canon game. But I, that's right. fine. You can—I think you could play a game in the Star Wars universe and never ever encounter any of the original characters. It's still that's be a kind Star of the Wars way game. I, that's what I like to do. Vampire the Masquerade, perfect example. Okay, classic Vampire the Masquerade pre twentieth edition had a very, very, very strong meta plot. Yes. The World of Darkness had a complete story right. that that uh, White Wolf put out. Okay? I ran games in Los Angeles. Technically, Los Angeles is part of the Anarch Free State, and there's, you know, there's anarchy and all this other kind of crap, but I made my Los Angeles Camarilla. It's very different than the World of Darkness meta plot. Am I still playing Vampire the Masquerade? Some would say no. Yeah. Well, I mean, but you're, if you, I mean, there are purists who play vampire who think you need to stay within the timeline. And if you're not staying in within the timeline, then maybe you're not. There are people that believe that, right? Are there not? Yeah. I say piffle. <laughs> well, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I tend to agree with you. But if people sit down with the understanding, we're going to play this game and we're going to be in these events during Norse mythology, and then history gets dramatically changed to the point where the events that are supposed to transpire will never transpire, it's something to, it's something 
to consider and something to worry about. And Norse mythology, the Scandinavian mythology, although we have some record of it, is a little spotty. We don't have great records of everybody and everything that happened. We have, like, the Icelandic saga. Well, the mythology stuff, there's probably no records, except the mythology. We have their, yeah, we have a, but, but it's not... It's not nearly as complete as one might think. So there's still a lot of room to play around there. Yeah, right. and I think like what, what Stu said, uh, if you accidentally kill whoever, somebody else steps up and takes on that role to, you know, if you want that event to still happen in the right. world. Ragnar, you, son of Ragnar. Yeah, yeah that's, exactly. That's the easiest way to do it. Fry yeah. goes back in time, becomes his own grandfather. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there are ways of solving it. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, he had a second question. He did. Yellow paper today. Um, for now, my second question. <clears throat> In my current Edge of Empire campaign, I have three players. Two of them are really excited when presented with clues that could lead them in a number of different directions. For example, I gave them a journal that hinted at a couple of different leads for them to track down. A side note. Thanks to all your talk about props in games, I actually made a journal and gave it to the players. One of them spent the rest of the night commenting on how cool it was, so thanks for that. Yeah, they're so happy when they get stuff like that. Yeah. (laughs) Back to the question. Do we have this? Yes. Oh! And it actually says this stuff, these words. Yeah. 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 Uh, My third player (laughs) seems to be struggling with the fact that no matter how long he stands at the station, the plot train never shows up. He isn't comfortable with the fact that there isn't a mapped out point A to point B. He asked me he asked me a couple sessions ago if his smuggler could go look for a job for the crew. The other players and a the other players and a bounty hunter and an, the other players are a, a bounty hunter and an archaeologist. And then froze when I asked him what type of job what type of job and where, roughly speaking, he wanted to go. I don't want to tell him the train isn't coming, so you better pick a direction and get walking. But it's driving me nuts, and I can see it frustrating him and the other players. I think he could really he could be a really good player if he could just get out of this mindset. I just don't know how to get him to stop looking for the tracks. Thanks, Jeff in Michigan. Puke monkey on the forum. P.S. This was longer than I intended. So drink! I just uh, emptied my and it's punk monkey still. But. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Cheers. Typo. You know what? If he if he really wants a little something to do, uh, give him give him some. Just throw him a little bone. Like pull something out of his backstory. Yeah, that's that exactly gives him something to do. You don't necessarily have to give him a plot train, but like have uh, a side have, quest, a side yeah. quest, or a, yeah. an old lover show up, or a, you know something from his backstory that's affecting him. That that it's just for him and him alone, and it gives him something else to think about rather than you know he doesn't have to be a whole plot for the. This is the kind of thing you see from people who come from an MMO background. Absolutely. Right. They're looking for the little yellow exclamation point. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And and I remember when we ran the old D&D game, we had a player who they, you guys were flying somewhere in something. I don't even remember what it was. And there was like a, a small band of orcs that you guys were passing by. And it could have been a plot hook. I had planned it to be a possible plot hook, and you guys said, nope, we're on a mission, we're trying to get to Mandite's place, so we'll worry about that later. And the whole rest of that session, he's like, oh, we got to find out what it, because that, that was the way, that was the way, is what he thought. Mm-hmm. And I think it's okay to sit down with the player and to let him know, 
that you, the plot does not necessarily have to be linear. Mm-mm. And that what you do is going to affect what the plot is. If you, if, if I hand you a plot hook and you take it and follow that line to wherever that leads, great. But if you decide to avoid that, that's not the quote-unquote wrong thing to do. Yeah. You're not right. going to eventually have to come back to that and go if you want to get anywhere. You can skip that, and maybe there will be another opportunity later on. There is no wrong, right and wrong thing to do. Because he, he's probably thinking that GMs plan their adventures out the way an MMO would be planned out, right. where there's li- linearity to it, or there's very defined logic of if this happens, then you go this way, and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's not that way. And it, he may be coming from a background where he's he assumes that's the kind of planning that the GM has done. Well, to be fair, a lot of GMs do do that. Yes. That's, that's what modules do, and most of sure. the GMs our age learned how to GM from modules. Yeah, but so many of us, like, as soon as we could... Start coming up with our own stuff. Well, totally. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. But that's the first thing I did after I bought the book, D&D books. So I went out and bought a <clears throat> pad of, of graph paper. Yeah. So yeah. I'll make my own yeah. dungeons. Uh, I Even- did too. But again, when you make a dungeon, every room gets described. You're at the treasure, oh, yeah. you're at the AC, yeah. the monsters, and all of that stuff. And every room. And that was kind of the fun of it. Was making the map and then put it, filling the map, filling the rooms with stuff. But right. but uh, you basically at the end of the at the end of the doing that, you had a module. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you had a module. That's right. But I, th- I think it, it, talking to him and letting him know, hey, you know, it, I, I wouldn't say, oh, I'm going by the, I'm flying by the. I don't know. I'm making this up as I go. <laughs> I have no I, idea. Yeah, he, then he's going to go, oh, because you, you, you want to have that veneer of. I'm absolutely right. not everything. Right. Uh-huh. So this was all part control. of the plan. Uh-huh. <laughs> For you that reason, I think I like Stork's suggestion, just to give him like a little something to kickstart him. Mm-hmm. It sounds like this guy is having kind of like a blank page moment, where it's like he's faced with all the options, and he just doesn't know kind of where to go. Give him a little like pebble to trip over or something yeah. to like get him moving and thinking yeah. and going in a particular direction, and then maybe he'll figure it out on his own that he can kind of go wherever he wants either that or make sure when he knows that uh they do get a clue that there were a number of ways you could have gotten that so like for instance you just achieved the seventh key of ventusler remember those orcs you passed you could have got it from them as well right you know so that he knows that oh Oh, wow any number of things that i do would have gotten me to this conclusion if it's appropriate yeah, I. He, he's also, I think, probably trying to be nice to the GM. Like, I will take your plot hook, you know, if if I can find it, but I can't find it, and it's frustrating me. You know, I want to, I want to, I don't want to just, you know, derail your, your all your hard work. I think he really is trying to, you know, be helpful. Right. And I, like Sam said, I think he's sort of really uh, overwhelmed by options or lack thereof. You know, sometimes, yeah, he's paralyzed. What do they call that? It's. Uh, uh, analysis, some, paralysis. analysis. Well, yeah. that's not quite it. It's structure hunger. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. So. Well, that's, I think that's for kids, but it's similar. It's when you, there's you want railroad, you want railroad tracks, and there's no railroad tracks. Or you brought a train, and there's a mountain. Or conversely, or, you're, you're standing in a corridor, and like uh, two dozen doors fly open, and you don't know which one to go down. You know, right, you're like ah, uh, which where where do I go? Which direction to take? Yeah, so 
both of those are a problem. You even said right there, structure hunger. Like me trying to prep my GURPS game. Exactly. <sighs> All right. All right. So. Thank you very much there, Jeff in Michigan. Puke monkey on the forums. Punk monkey on the forums for the... I'll read uh, the next one. Idiot players. Uh, an email from Ryan. Howdy, douchebags. So my players were trekking through a dungeon in our D&D game, and one of them strayed from the group to explore on his own. Dun, dun, dun. After a bit, he found a room with a ten-foot-deep hole cut into the floor. There were wooden spikes at the bottom and the <coughs> surrounding a chest. <coughs> Excuse me. Can you grab me an IPA? I'm, I'm going to need something, too. I'm a, I'm a little dry. He decided to jump down alone. There's like Sam Adams to investigate or something the that would be great too. Sorry, Stuart. He decided to jump down alone to investigate the chest, which contained the key to get into the next part of the dungeon. Should I pause while we, we all... Yeah, please please stand by IPA? for epic <laughs> beerage. Do an IPA? Uh, no, I don't, uh, I don't Sam want Adams, an IPA. preferably something not IPA-ish. Yeah, it's, a, it's a Sam Adams IPA. Oh, do you have something not IPA-ish? Oh, God, you're picky. I, I am. I, no, I just don't like... Ooh, winter lager. I've oh, not had one of these. Sorry. He decided to jump down alone to investigate the chest, which contained the key. Drink it for you too. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, which contained the key to the next part of the dungeon. (laughs) No, rewind because I need to hear it. I'm sorry. Oh my god! I'm listening now. (laughs) (laughs) Tim. After a bit, he found a room with a (laughs) ten-foot deep hole cut into the floor. There were wooden spikes at the bottom surrounding the chest. He decided to jump down alone to investigate the chest, which contained the key to getting to the next part of the dungeon. Mm-hmm. He then significantly failed his spot check to find any handholds on the walls and angrily refused to try anything else. <coughs> he continually got more and more angry at me for building the dungeon this way. Even after the game, when he had cooled off for a bit and told me that some of the ways that might have worked better for the obstacle... Uh, when he cooled off a bit and told me some okay so he acted alright so I'm curious if he was right if, at all was this a poor design or just a whiny player any tips should I have thrown him more of a bone P.S. he didn't die the blink dog that had been following him howled and led the others to his way uh, there you go so was he a douchebag for making the dungeon this way or not that's mm, what he's asking about little bit not really not a douchebag but when you're leaving the pl- the plot to one player's role, and the player misses it, yeah, we can do well. But then the player said, "No, he just he just sat down and said, I refuse to try to find anything else." So he like, well, he has no way out. Get me out of this pit on you. Or I'm not going to look for anything. No, he, he said sa- he's he said he probably said I'm going to look and see if there's some way that it get out of here. Okay, make a spot check. I failed the spot check. You don't see any way out. Okay, I don't see any way out. Well, he says it angrily refused Help. to try anything else. Maybe because it was ridiculous to have him have to make that roll. <laughs> <laughs> True, because I mean, if that if you're saying okay, see if there's a, make a spot check to see if there's a way out. No, there's no way out. Well, yeah, I mean, we don't know how how things were worded and if there was anything else happening. But I would have said, yeah, there are. Make a climbing roll and see if you can make it out. Yeah, see, I think... See, I would have tried, well, can I get my dagger and try to say, yeah, you could try that. Uh, can I make, you know, noise, help, yell, or whatever? Yeah. Can I... Can I Maybe. Lure, can I lure the blink dog down with some smelly cheese and try to, to communicate with it? Sounds like the blink dog was sort of like a deus ex machina. <laughs> Doesn't it? 
They're lawful good. Yeah, kind of. But, uh, yeah. The, but, th- the thing I'm struggling with is, 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 uh, I don't know why you wouldn't, as a GM, let him get the fuck out of the pit. Uh, no, there's no, spiteful there's he no handholds. There's no handholds. There's no way out. You're fucked. You're in a pit with spikes and there's a chest. Enjoy it. You climb down alone. I don't... You wandered away from the rest of the party, motherfucker. Yeah, so now you're stuck down there. Well, right. except that except that after he cooled off, he says he did come out. He had some other ideas of how he could have gotten out if he'd only just tried them. Instead, he's angrily. Well, he said there, there are some other ways that might have worked better for the obstacle. He's saying, "Here's yeah. what you could have let me do." Even yes, or yes, but he also said he angrily refused to try anything else, which right. makes it sound like he just sat down and went, huh. "Maybe well, I don't know." It's hard to tell. It is. Yeah, that's the thing. You're only getting part of the story here. But wouldn't you be kind of frustrated if you were like, uh, okay, I want to climb out now. Okay, make your spot check. You don't see any way to climb out. Tim, wouldn't I you fail my like- rolls all the time. <laughs> I come up with so many ways to try to do any one thing. Yeah, it doesn't frustrate me anymore. <laughs> Maybe this guy's if new. I, and he's if I didn't find handholds, like I would have said, all right, I'm going to grab one of the spikes. And uh, can I? is there human hair I can braid to make a rope? Yeah, try that. All right, uh, I'm going to... I'm gonna yeah, build a scaffold. Over the place. I'm gonna build a scaffold out of the fucking spikes <laughs> and climb out. Can I build a ladder? Sure, try that. I would have come up with five different ways because I know that I will fail at least four of those. <laughs> I guess I am talking to the wrong person here. I I have to agree with Stork on that one. I think the part that gets me is the angrily refuse to try anything else after uh, failing one thing. Right. So uh, that kind of. Leads me to believe the player could have stepped it up a little bit and came up with some other options. Um, On the other side, the GM could have, even if the guy failed his spot check, could have said, you don't see any handholds, but, you know, give him a little something to work with to help him get out of the pit. A no but. Yeah. Instead of being angry, I just would have made my escape plans even more and more ridiculous. (laughs) It just would have been more and more Wile E. Coyote towards the end. It's like, I I get a carrier pigeon and order an Acme escape plan. I I strap on my jetpack. You don't have a jetpack. Are you sure about that? (laughs) Should I make a spot check roll? (laughs) Are any of the punji sticks carved out of dynamite? (laughs) Do I have a match? Anything. Oh, my God. Right. Kickstarter failure rates from Hank. Sam, you want to take that one? Sure. Cheers, douchebags. Hank, a lurker on the forums here, with a couple of rants. Ethan Mollick of University of Pennsylvania has written a paper on Kickstarter failure rates that is pretty interesting. According to his research, roughly 10% of projects fail to deliver on their promises, failure being defined as either a lack of a reward or a subpar reward which is a pretty shitty rate, to be honest, but not all that surprising. What's really surprising is that despite only 13% of the people backing failed projects getting refunded, a significant portion of people backing failed products would back the same creator again. (sighs) Idiots. Is it any wonder we keep seeing so many poorly executed Kickstarters? That's that's just good independence is what that is, you know? Oh, but... They, they they need my help because they did such a crappy job before. I need to be there to support them so they get better. And the <laughs> it's codependence. I, right? I, I, yeah. Someone posted this on the forum, and there was uh, it might have been Bill. I don't know who it was, but said ten ten percent failure rate, not so bad. 
totally how you look at it, right? Yeah. If you look at it as I go online and try to buy something and nine out of ten times it shows up, <laughs> yeah, that sucks. Right. But I, in, tenth time. I invest in ten startups and nine of them take off and one doesn't. Great success rate, right? Yeah. So yeah. it really kind of... It, it's ninety percent it, of the stuff that I got there is fine. There's just ten percent that wasn't right, which is not the same as Amazon.com delivers ninety percent of the things I order. <laughs> right, I can stream ninety percent of a of the of the new season of <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Great. <laughs> See, it all depends what you're looking at. But the thing that kills me is that only thirteen percent of the people in failed projects get their money back. Right. That's bad. If everyone, if 100% of the people backing failed projects were getting their money back, there's kind of no problem with Even it like being 90%. 60%. Yeah. <laughs> I understand in some cases, if people are actually trying to produce whatever this product is, that requires that money. Right. R&D, and they realize, hey, you know what? I can't build a floating skateboard. Shit. <laughs> but I tried. So I, that I can understand, but... If some guy's like, okay, I'm going um, go to Gen come Con. up with this cool product, and instead I'm going to go buy a bunch of movie-making equipment with it to start my second Kickstarter, because there was a guy that mm-hmm. did that. Uh, no, fuck um, you. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're a dick. And then You're apparently all these co-defendants came back and went, oh, we'll help you out with a new one. What the fuck? Oh. That I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand. I, I, would, I wonder what that significant portion is, because I have not looked at the at the study. Yeah, that's the. It doesn't give a number for that. Uh, that would be interesting to see what the yes. percentage there was. Whatever it is, it's too high. <laughs> it should be zero. <laughs> okay, uh, the paper is available here. Insert link. Uh, P.S. Swedish comedy site Spermaharen, literally <laughs> the sperm hair, spent stupid amounts of late '90s dot com money to fit, produce a flash game called Smek J.R.R. Tolkien till. Utslöning. I probably totally pronounced that wrong. I'm sorry. Utslöning. Uh, in which the player gives J.R.R. Tolkien a hand job using various aids such as feathers, <laughs> smelling salts, etc. It's only slightly less subtle than the RPG hobby's inexplic- inexplicable obsession with his horribly paced prose. Here's a link to the game. You need the Shockwave plugin to play it. Insert link. It's Spermaharen. Dot size. <laughs> it totally is. Spermaharen dot size. PPS. Feel free to read this in Hozier Rob's voice. I fucking hate fantasy. I fucking hate fantasy. I fucking hate fantasy. Thank you. Love the show. Hope I didn't come off as too hateful. What is the DDS? DS. No, that's that's P. That's P.S. Upside Down. It took me a while to realize that. Is it like uh, the Spanish exclamation point? Yes, I think it is. Except the uppercase D does not look anything like the uppercase P. It sure doesn't. But the lowercase ones Uh, are flipped. See, they're flipped. Okay, all right, all right. It's actually very very clever. Very clever. Yeah. It's a fine line between clever. Right. I'm not being lured back to Kickstarter. Uh, What about you? Are you being... Uh, I... Packed one recently, and then uh, the dice are coming. It's the it's the spaceroller.com thing. But I only I, I put roller? in like I put in like the minimal amount. It was like ten bucks. What's, so what's space? Uh, it's like these light up dice that you roll them. They light up, and they're kind of a futuristic looking dice that I figured I'd use for Star Wars or travel. Or it's just two d six. 
but they're oh. cool. But I, um, uh, but I put in the minimal amount, and it was, it, I think it was only 10 bucks, and you get, like, one pair of dice. So I figured, eh, I spend that much at lunch. Can you change the batteries? I don't know if it has batteries or not. I think it might. No, I don't know. Again, uh, it's 10 bucks. Maybe that's where the secret is. Isn't uh, it? I, I backed my first Kickstarter ever. What was that? Weeks back. RuneQuest 2. Isn't RuneQuest 2 already out? Yes, they're doing a reprint of it. RuneQuest 2. Leave it to Tim. Doing a, it's so a it's safe not bet. a new edition, it's just a reprint. <laughs> it's, a safe, yeah. it's a safe bet. He's not actually going to lose it because it's already out. So he's he's, in, he's guaranteed uh, to get it. I, I, I shouldn't complain because that's that's exactly how Kickstarter started with, with band CDs. Yeah. Okay, we recorded our CD. We're ready to go. Oh, dude, we don't have the scratch to print it up. Right. Oh, damn. And someone invented Kickstarter. That's why it started was for that. It, it has a uh, it has a whole lot to do with Chaosium and what they're doing with RuneQuest, but um, it's not. Is it Mongoose that's reprinting it, or is it no Chaosium? Remember, Chaosium got their got RuneQuest. They back got RuneQuest from, back. That's why. That's why. That's why Mongoose oh, that, had to they changed, everything. They on changed it. Legend, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 So <coughs> I don't want to go into this too much. But, Go ahead. Uh, okay. So uh, Chaosium did RuneQuest, then they did RuneQuest Two, which was by and large considered the best version of RuneQuest by all the RuneQuest purists. Then they went into a deal with Avalon Hill mm-hmm. and did RuneQuest 3 mm-hmm. because they were having money problems. Advanced RuneQuest. Yeah, and then... Advanced and, Squad and then, Leader RuneQuest. And then that all... Yeah, kind of, right. They don't even get going in the Elric Stormbringer thing, which uses similar rules, but there's like five, twelve of those, I think. And then Avalon Hill collapsed and Wizards of the Coast bottom up and RuneQuest went away. Because why would Wizards of the Coast allow RuneQuest to continue as a D&D? Right. But then somehow Mongoose got the... The the trademark for RuneQuest expired. And Moon Design, which was Greg Stafford's new company, picked it up and licensed it to Mongoose. Okay. Mongoose came out with... MRQ, which was Mongoose RuneQuest, and then they came out with MRQ2, and then they lost the RuneQuest license from Greg Stafford, and they put out their RuneQuest 2 as legend. Okay. Now, at that point, Stafford gave the license to the authors of RuneQuest 2, who started up their new company called Design Mechanism, Mm -hmm. and they did RuneQuest 6, which is actually a really good game. I, that's drama, dude. I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, no, we understand. I mean, it, but I'm sure RuneQuest Six is better than Traveler Five. Oh yeah, totally. So, uh, you sure? <laughs> We've never played it. I don't know. <laughs> so what's what's happening I now is finished reading it. What's happening now is now that uh, Greg Stafford and Steve Perrin are, back, are back in charge of Chaosium, they've taken back RuneQuest, and they're gonna kind of restart it from RuneQuest 2, which was the last RuneQuest that Chaosium put out. Okay. So they're kind of uh, like going, ah, all that stuff. Let's just pretend that didn't happen. So we're going to reprint RuneQuest 2, and our new versions of RuneQuest are going to be based on that with a whole bunch of really cool so shit they, out of they all are, the other Ultimately, ones. they are going to work on a sort of cleaned up... Oh, yeah. No, they totally okay. are. This is just like a... For all of the RuneQuest people who really want RuneQuest 2, pow. Okay. It. Now, is it available online now? It's in it's Kickstarter. The Kickstarter. no, I mean the the are PDF still available. Is is this to reprint the book, or is this to Rune like retypeset two, it? RuneQuest two is long gone. So like, there's nothing. Uh, there's someone's been, got a rule book. They're going to go through and retype. I, you know, I don't. They say they have the rule book already done. Okay. 
and and in the video he holds it up and he's like, "Look, here's the rule book." So it's to be printed. But, yeah. Okay. There's a you can get PDF of it. You can get an awesome leatherette cover one, which is what I put in for. That's all embossed in gold and shit. Oh, yeah. Or you can get a hardback one. I'm I'm super excited about this. Yeah. No, you have no idea. <laughs> I, I think my girlfriend's going to be upset when she gets kicked out of the bed for my RuneQuest book when it finally gets here. Right. If it's embossed leather, she'll have fun with it, too. <laughs> <laughs> I know your girlfriend. <laughs> All right. Uh, Is that it? We answered. He didn't know questions. It was just comments. Yeah. All right. Thank you, yes. Hank. Can Numenera heal gamers? An email from William. <coughs> Hello, me. drunken douchebags of podcasting. <laughs> I, oh, wait. I haven't used the thing. No, you haven't. Uh, CNR. How's that for a topper? Go away, Baton! <laughs> okay. I finished going through your backlog in the last month or so. You guys have had a few questions about Numenera, and I believe that I may be able to answer them. I just don't remember what they were at the moment. <laughs> well, how are you going to answer them then? Excellent. You guys have some questions I'd answer, but I... Oh, yeah, I don't remember. Like, he wrote this drunk. <laughs> That's awesome, because we're reading it drunk. It'll just make more sense. Oh, hey, next line. Let me know what they are, and I'll do my best to answer them. But then, of course, next line. All right. For Stork, you would like someone... You would, yeah, you would like someone to run you through a game in order to understand it. I'd be willing to do that for you, seeing as I'm not all that far away. Norwalk, Whittier, La Mirada area. La Mirada. I went to school in Whittier. So did I. One of the interesting things about Numenera has nothing to do with the system itself. It's what it has done for some gamers. One of the guys I connected with because of the Cypher system, specifically the Strange, had apparently lost hope in regards to gaming in general. Numenera reinvigorated him and got him back into the hobby. He's now actively involved in a number of games and systems again. From what I can tell, his story is not unique and has been the case for a number of individuals. For myself, I found that with Numenera, I was actually able to successfully GM games. I was even able to run sessions, even when having to take care of a one-year-old. Prior to Numenera, I was never fully successful. I only ever got through running a single session, and the game would collapse on me. This is... No, hold on. Does this sound like the reviews for the shirt with the three wolves banging at the moon? It does. Like, bit, my son, it? my son was born without bones, and right. I got him this shirt, and right. I grew bones. Tres lobos. I, I, I honestly thought it sounded like a Viagra, Vi- Viagra commercial. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Maybe I found that with Viagra, the, I was actually able to make love to my wife. <laughs> I was able to make love even when having to take care of a one-year-old. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Prior you know to Viagra, too soon. One year old? Too soon. <laughs> wait. Wait another year. Prior Trust to, me. Prior to Viagra, I was never fully successful. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, uh, I, I'm not... Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> I only ever got through running a single... Su- <laughs> <laughs> That's really distracting. <laughs> oh, man. I only ever got through running a single session... And the game would collapse on me. Excuse <laughs> over so sorry. Words again. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. Look should at I him. put the porn music back on? The totally. Yeah, you should. <laughs> 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 
Uh, there was one instance where I was attempting to co-GM with someone, which should have been successful, <laughs> but collapsed due to inter-party trauma and conflict. And oh, also to too many players. players. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because Numenera, because the threesome Numenera always sounds better than it really oh. is. The realities of, of, a, of a multi-Numenera party is... Wow. Oh. Did it just get warm in here, or is it just me? <laughs> I, uh, see, you know, I'll give this about Numenaria, which is which is one of the things I don't understand. It's like, there's got this cult following around it. It really is kind of like swingers parties. These people are like, hey, do you play Numenaria? I, I play Numenaria. And they all get together, and they, like, they like are in on something. And I've read the book, because I backed the Kickstarter, and I got it, and it's a beautiful book. I just don't get it. I'm like, I really like the setting. That's cool. I like some of the ideas, but I'd savage it. Monty Cook does some really, really good stuff. He does some of the, uh, all the D20 stuff that I actually like. He did. Um, but I, I, I also do not understand Numenera. Now, I've, I've never actually read it, but. I, I have, it, and it's, it's intriguing in a way. There's a, there's a randomness that Monty Cook likes that I don't always necessarily agree with. There's a, there's a lot of like, suddenly you're not a, here. Sorry, good. You have like random stuff that can happen around you. And there's some things about it that I'm like, it's like you don't get complete. There's expendable items that that you can find and that you have to use, and if you don't use them, they can poison you, or you just don't get money. There's sort of some weird. Hic- oh, hold on. For myself, I found no. them with Newman. It took me a long time to get it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late. Um, and and to find the music. It's uh, it, for. From what I understand, it's kind of apocalypse world-like in that the GM does not roll dice. Is that correct? Nah, sort of. No, I just don't necessarily. I, I, I guess. I guess I get it when there's a lot of people that haven't that have been away from gaming for a long time, and they, this is kind of like maybe a new gateway drug, and it's kind of an exciting new system that is a has a it, it's a very small learning curve, so they don't have to spend hours researching a book; they can catch it in a couple of you know a couple of sessions <clears> or a couple of. An hour or so. Oh, I get this. So I, I, you know, it's not a barrier to entry. It's not like here we're like, wait, I got to do math. I got to count all these. Oh fuck! <laughs> In front of people, uh, and it's I, so I get that. But and the world itself is interesting. He spent a lot of time working on this. It's a very post-apocalyptic sort of fantastic stuff. Mm-hmm. But again, that's that's interesting to me. But I would take all of that and then like run it in Savage Worlds. I don't understand why Numenaria has this cult around it. I know they made a on. lot of pretty stuff for it. They sure like, did. Character sheets are really pretty. The book and, is very well yeah. made, the, and the the artwork in it is fantastic. He spent a lot of time on his world, his backstory, yeah. his thinking about it. But but I'm uh, I, I'm missing something. I feel like there's there's like a party going on, and I'm like I wasn't invited, or I'm at the party, but they're all in another room, and I'm like, what's going on? Is it was it Monty Cook? Yeah, yeah. It was. Maybe it's just maybe it's mostly like. Money Cook fanboys. I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 don't, know. I, I, I don't own it. I've never seen it. I've never. It's part I've of my seen problem. it, but I've never read it. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't asked. I haven't I, asked. I, I just. We're alive. I'm missing something. <clears throat> Confessions of a GM: A Tale of a Transsexual Samurai from Matthew from the UK. <clears throat> it is me, right? No, I think it's Sam. No, it, she read. No, she read, she read just read that one. one. No, Not this one, one. The one before. One. Oh, that's right. She read the, the sperm, sperm bunny. Yeah. Of course. I've not got any horror. I've not got any horror stories to tell as a player, except when I, except for that paranoia session that ended badly with a chainsaw. Don't they all? Don't, everything ends badly with a chainsaw, don't you think? 
And paranoia sessions always end badly. Uh, but I have got a few stories of my own crap GMing. Wow. Which a I self, feel could be shared. Self-referential horror story. For the education of all. I'm very excited. It took me just now to realize this is a horror story. I'm sorry. I got up at 2 in the morning. I had to go to work. I had to be at work at 2 in the morning. I'm, I'm a little Are behind. you kidding? No. Wow. It's like 2 o'clock in the yeah, morning. I'll do it again next week. I, but that's the, not the point. I just now realize it's a horror story, so now I'm excited. Is it? Yeah. Well, I guess it kind of is. Because I, I, there's two horror stories. It's a double dipper. Uh, I'm being serious about this, but the temptation to descend into forum letters language is mighty tempting. I'll resist as long as I can. Well, let me cue the music back up. Come on, don't make me play the ad again. <laughs> okay. So let me tell you the tale of the transsexual samurai. I was, <laughs> I was an, <laughs> I was an experienced GM. Though I'd seen, I thought I'd seen the world and tried most things D and D, Rollmaster, Freeform, and yes, I'd even occasionally LARPed. <laughs> this music makes every email better. <clears throat> it this really is, does. I, I like the way your voice got sexier too. You, you, just sort of stir- <laughs> you can't help it. Think, you got the big shadow, Steven. You got the wah pedal going, right? You, you, um, it's very very wide. Each player took a turn GMing a chapter. Which meant for each story that the player player's character did. <laughs> you got to stop that, or I'm going to pot you down. <laughs> the player, because I'm thinking it's coming from the YouTube thing. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was that was not me. <laughs> was it, 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 maybe it was coming it from there. It is coming from there. <laughs> which meant that each story the player's character did become a GMPC, but we were all. Civilized, you know. Okay, that's distracting me now because it's like, hey, baby, <laughs> it's, it's, very, it's very wide. The walrus of love. It is. The walrus. Have you seen Tusk? Hey, baby. No, you keep asking me this. I haven't seen. I'm it. never going to Canada. Hey, <laughs> they wouldn't like you up there anyway. <coughs> I won't let them turn me into a walrus. There's too many French people. Uh, no, I like French people. That's, you do, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. But we all were civilized enough. That, I'm half French. But we all were civilized enough to play our characters very much in the background for the duration. Which half? Left. <laughs> 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 I have radial symmetry, so it's like left I forgot. Leg. You're like half French and half German or something. Yeah. Yeah, you like to surrender to yourself every night. I forgot. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Forgot that whole. Yeah. If, if, if he's going to be surrendering to himself, we need that music back on. You know, I, I I've been listening to hardcore history about the First World War. I have nothing but respect for the French now. Oh yeah, because the amount of troops they lost yeah. in World War One is equal to all of the troops the United States lost in all of the wars we've been in combined. World War One or World, World War One, and they were still recovering when World War Two came oh, around. Yeah. And and even though they, the no wonder they want they're reluctant about going to war. Yeah, the, the, the number number of troops they lost was staggering. It was staggering. I would like to see those because I, I guess there's some some guy that left a space a, a plot of land that had been the no man's land at the Somme. I'm no. not sure what, but it, 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 it's that whole it's the whole green fields of France. That's that whole battle, the right. battle of the well, Somme. There was there was a lot of them. They were they were horrible. And, where was I? But the there, game oh, was based. The game was based in the Firefly verse, and some listeners will have played in a scenario I was running called Hell's Ditch. 
sort of a heart of heart of darkness apocalypse now story in one scene the party find themselves surrounded and outnumbered by child soldiers every time i've run the scenario the party have surrendered and this time it was no different but when the child soldiers disarmed the party one player made a stand now i never met the player but i think he was an american ex-serviceman his character was well his character was everything a transgender Yakuza Cortex celebrity samurai ex-Special Forces hero. Just the sort of down-at-the-heel brown coat that the TV series was was full of. Not. Uh, you're being facetious. All right. Uh, his character claimed that she couldn't hand over her swords because, as a samurai, to do so would be dishonorable. And the child soldiers should accept her word that she wouldn't draw them. Ooh, I like this the tension and drama. I kind of think that's a pretty cool. I do too. Thing. It's not just no. I mean, and petulantly sits down and says, "Until you give me a solution, I'm going to sit here and throw a fed because I can't get out of this pit." Right. Now, this is a story <laughs> of GM douchebaggery, so there's going right. to be a turn for the worse uh-huh. here. Now, the fellow had been a bit of a spotlight hog since joining the game. Being no wonder you identify with him, Stork. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's not true. Uh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm not just a bit of a hog. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a tremendous slouch. Being a freeform game rather than a dice rolling one, it was easy for a prolific writer to put his character at the center of all the action, doing all the cool stuff, and then you are a transgendered Yakuza Cortex celebrity samurai ex-Special Forces hero. It turns out you can do a lot of cool stuff. What were they running this in, does he say? It's uh, a freeform game which means it probably doesn't have too much okay. of a system all right it's 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 a lot of like uh i could totally do this but you couldn't yes i could because i'm a transgendered yakuza right. whatever okay and because i'm running out of four hours of sleep i, I now really want to run apocalypse now based game in apocalypse world <laughs> <laughs> you totally could i think you should i think you could run that game in spirit of 77 could i could i run heart of darkness in new world of darkness or Old World of Darkness. Which one would work better for Heart of Darkness? I don't know. <laughs> Why is everyone looking at me? <laughs> um, there's a, you can do a lot of but this email isn't about what he may have done wrong, but me. I should have accepted the compromise his character suggested. But I was concerned that he'd use his weapons to heroically save the party and hog all the action. I, just, I decided to make a stand. First, by the child soldiers getting threatened, threatening with the uh, AKs. AKs. Oh, oh, MySpace my AK-47s. Got it. And rocket-propelled grenades. And then by PM, postmortem. I think they mean private pu- message. Punch monkey. Oh, oh, this and then by PM, where this is probably. Hold on one second. Let me see if I can look back. <clears throat> Prime Minister. He spells honor with a U. Oh, no, it's, no, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a private message. It's, it's says, a play-by-post forum. Oh, okay, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Erases, erases, okay. Erases. <clears throat> and then by PM, wherein I said, look, you can fight them all if you want, but you will die. The PMs flew back and forth, copying in the admin for the game, which I generally disapprove of, but I think I started. <laughs> <laughs> I, I disapprove of that, but I think I started that. <clears throat> yeah. 
and culminated with him accusing me of being biased against him because he was playing a transgendered character. Uh-oh. This was my moment of victory. Oh, you are a douchebag. Because he hadn't known until I triumphantly told him in my reply that is that the admin had asked me to play a second character for the last few weeks when the guy played playing the pilot dropped out. I took on that pilot character and had a lot of fun with him, developing the character in all sorts of ways, including making him a tran- the transsexual samurai's lover. He backed down, and his character handed over his so- her swords. I'd, quote-unquote, won, but I'm not proud. I'd gotten into a bitter text argument with a fellow player and soured the atmosphere, all because, in truth, I resented his multi-talented character. It was unnecessary. It was not fun. Forgive me, douchebags, for I have sinned. Matthew from the UK. P.S. Still loving the podcast. You know what, Matthew? Kudos to you for learning. That's absolutely the right thing to do. The first, the first step in admitting, in, in in fixing your problem, is admitting that you have one. Well, and we all learn from our failures. Right? Like you're like, I absolutely fucked that up, and I will never do that again. And I know right. exactly what I did wrong, and I will I will make sure that doesn't happen because. Yeah, that's how we all learn. This this should be the new... This should take over for horror stories, because this is actually more helpful. Yeah. People should send in the dumb shit they've done when they were a GM. Listen, a punch in the mouth can... can You learn more from that moment (laughs) than you ever do from listening to people talk at you. Or vice versa. That reminds me... I I got punched in the mouth once. All I learned is that it hurt. A lot. A lot. <laughs> that reminds me of that joke that Peter told us. Remember that? Peter? Our, yeah. our Welsh friend? The, our, our Welsh friend. Remember yes. that? Uh, Who was Peter. wrestling the giant Russian guy? Do you remember that story? No, I don't remember it well enough to tell he him. Got, he got really drunk, and he was out, and he was wrestling this Russian guy. Now, Peter's like 5'5", five, five, maybe. Right. Yeah. And Welsh. And, and, the, and the guy puts him in some sort of horribly contorted bend, and he's like, completely pinned down the guy's on top of him and he's like can barely breathe and he opens his eyes and in front of them is a penis so he reaches out and bites it as hard as he can (laughs) it was his own it is amazing (laughs) the surge of strength you get from biting your own penis You never remember that joke? I, I he do. He tells it like because it's he, a, a, absolutely true. Because was a terror for to me was a penis. <laughs> penis. So a I penis. reached out and I bit to that my penis as hard as I could. And it's amazing the surge of strength you get from biting your own penis. <laughs> it's the accent. Yes, it is. The accent makes it. Right. It's a terrible Welsh accent. All the Welsh people out there, if you can but find... I want to record him talking so I can learn how to do that accent. Because it's so sing-songy. It is. And it's... it's um. I always I always start with uh, with a building a hinge, are we? Have you ever heard that? that you know the the band that does what does the fox say? Yeah. Have you ever I heard their song the about Stonehenge? Say. No. It is fucking hysterical. It it, it it's it, it's all about what the fuck were they building? You, you know what? <laughs> I I just now found out where where they got the lyrics or or the the idea for what does the fox say? Do you know? No. They ask Surrey, what does the fox say? And all of the responses are what they... Ting, 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 ting. It's, uh, it's all stuff Surrey spit back to them when they ask what the fox says. That doesn't make any sense. Well, neither does the song. Did you ever hear it? It probably does that now since the song. 
I don't know. That's what I was told. I bet. I bet it was the other way around. What does the fox say? See that that's from the song. Yeah, okay. they're, 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 I'm sure that was programmed after the song. Okay. <laughs> Horror story from Pete and St. Albans. Thank you very much, Matthew, for sending us that story of your bad jamming. And other, if you have a story of bad jamming and you want to send it to us, and, and we will, I will start selling absolutions. <laughs> indulgences. I think indulgences. I, oh, yes. very well said. Yes. <laughs> I know at least fifty percent of us in this room are ordained with the Universal Life Church. So yes, we can, I am. We can. Me too. I can actually. We can actually legally forgive sins. And now we can, indulgences are the ones where you get ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like you're planning ahead. You're, you're like, gonna, like, I'm probably gonna do this. I'm gonna so like yeah. TPK the party because I'm sick of this game. Can I get an indulgence so it's like so I'm not a douchebag? Sure. Of course, <laughs> it's it's like all the rich. Here's the PayPal. It's like all the rich parents <laughs> it, it, uh, of Girl Scouts who's like, uh, I don't want to sell cookies. Here's, here's here's a check for a thousand bucks. Is that enough? <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, Pete from St. Albans here. I wanted to share a horror story with you. Many years ago, I was playing in a Star Wars game. A friend of mine was a massive Star Wars fan, the kind of guy that you had had read all the. EU stuff, the quote Grand Admiral Thrawn lines at us. He was a great GM. He had loads of energy, lots of cool ideas and missions, and encouraged strong role-playing. Unfortunately, he also had the odd weak spot. Occasionally, when things went against his cast-iron plans, he had a tendency to panic and just make a balmy shit. Or is it balmy? Balmy shit. Shite. Balmy shite up. It's B-A-R-M-Y. How, I don't know. How does barmy? That? Barmy? Barmy. It just make barmy shit up. <laughs> No, but he's from St. Albans. All right. I don't okay. Know. I don't know that what that means. So this will be two horror stories with the same character. Tobin was my hard-as-nails bounty hunter. He was the only non-force user in the party, and in order to keep up with all the <laughs> not Boba Fett <laughs> kit and weapons, he had a flamethrower, cool spray-painted body armor, and a whole host of funky utility belt crap. Oh, he's Batman. Or Iron Man. And in fact, his whole thing was modded and painted. Excuse me. I hit that burp button. The burp button was modding and painting his kit so that it went with his theme. He had a specific appearance that as a character, as as a player, uh, I was very verbal in pointing out to the GM. He was good, and my bounty hunter soon had a decent rep. Horror story number one. At some point, Tobin decided to buy a sniper rifle to complete his ridiculous portable <coughs> arsenal. He promptly went to the nearest Bob's Guns, the GM's favorite chain weapon depot, Boo. and asked about a sniper rifle. The store owner uh, had such a rifle and handed it over to the salivating Tobin. He promptly absorbed it into his kit. Weeks of role-playing passed. Later, at some point, a rival bounty hunter came into conflict with our party. It was a really good story and added some non-force-related challenge. He was as skilled as my character, and there was a lot of sparring to and fro. It was pretty great, until it happened. We laid a trap. Tobin was in key position in the crumbling ruins of his home city, which he had been brainwashed to destroy in a previous session. An apt trap for the bounty hunter. He lay concealed, his gray and rust-red armor and kit blending in well with the terrain. As he pulled the sniper rifle out of his kit bag and drew a bead on the freshly arriving bounty hunter, sure that this time he had him dead to rights, he spent a long time engineering this trap, and he was about to get payoff. Suddenly, the bounty hunter spots me. I look at the GM. Me. 
what do you mean he spots me? GM, well, your sniper rifle is in Arctic camo paint. It's uh, pretty much bright white. He sees you clear as day. Me. But all my kit is personalized. I've had it for ages. Uh, <clears throat> first, I think he's taking a piss, but soon I realize not. What does that mean? Taking That's a, a phrase from, he uses more than once. Um, it's a very British uh, yeah. slang for, uh, I think he's kidding. He's shitting yeah. me? Okay. Yeah. Right. He's shitting me. <clears throat> Jim, uh, you didn't tell me that you'd repainted the gun. He sees you and senses a trap, fires his rocket pack, and fucks off. I'm paraphrasing. He grins at me. <laughs> grins at me. Oh, boy. Douche. Great guy, but at that moment, douche. In that moment, I felt I was try- he was trying to beat us. Not create a story, not creating an interesting and challenging narrative for us players, but to beat us. To be honest, that is an example of GMing that I've made sure I steer clear of. To this day, I still get a grump up. Grump on. Grump- hey, I like grump oh, up. Let's change it to grump up. I, was, I got I'm going to get my grump up. I went all over the cramp ups all of a sudden. I was like, give me some of that Numenera. Yeah. <laughs> yes. A grump up. It's probably a creature from Ruminera, actually. Uh, when we discuss that ca- uh, that campaign, see below. Do you agree? And this fits with your new yeah. horror story th- uh, guidelines here, where he's he's now like learned from this. Well, no, he's learned from the other guy's mistakes. Well, all right, that, okay, <clears throat> yeah, okay. Still, no, learning, I th- learning I think, happened. I think that see the the thing I like about GMs sending in their own stories is it teaches GMs humility, which is something which is how. Stories like this happen because they don't have it. Yeah. Oh, the humility. Because that's bullshit, I think. It is. It, yeah. It is. Horror story, too. Although, I, you know, I, I have the. If someone gets something and it is, like, at some point in the story, it is painted white, should they have to. Okay, you know what I'm. You know what I'm saying. Okay, let, if I may refer back to it, it earlier. I mean, if uh, now I don't know how this how this transpired, and clearly when the guy's grinning at him, ha ha, I won. He's a fucker. But if I'm in a situation where, let's say, you got a sniper rifle and you got it, and the last time you used it, you camoed it for because you're on Hoth, right? And now you're, you're now you're on Coruscant, and you're going to take a shot at some guy, and I'm going to give him like a real outside chance spot check to see if maybe he can notice you. And because it's white, maybe I'm going to add in, like, a boost die to it, right? And I make it. Am I a douchebag? Yeah, but that's... No. Because... Yes. Because he pulls his sniper rifle out and you never tell him it's white until he just now... Yeah. Well, no, but no, and, I'm... I, I, I don't know. Did, yeah, did he it doesn't, not know? Yeah, it doesn't say what color it was when he bought it. If it, if it was specifically white and called out as such, or... It seems. I don't know. But if, okay, put yourself in the player's point of view. You're playing this bounty hunter. You've set this kit up. You've got this right. total awesome kit, which you've totally modded out to look exactly the way that you want it. Right. Everything you get, you mod up to your kit so that it all matches and something like that. So you go out and you buy this new sniper rifle, and you just happen to forget to say, oh, yeah, I modded up to match the rest of my shit. When you pull it out and the GM goes, haha, it's still white, and you go, wait a minute, I mod all my shit. Wouldn't you be kind of pissed? <sighs> I don't know. It really depends on the situation. I mean, I think there's some things that you can assume can go unsaid and be true, and but not everything. I would, I would, I don't I know. Would, I, don't, I would give that would to depend, the player. It would depend. It would depend if the player really did like with everything else he got. 
yeah. went through and said, oh, yeah, and then I'm going to spray paint this. And then, and then, and then. If, if, if he pulled it out of his backpack and unwrapped it out of there and, and pulled the packing out of it and then loaded it and then realized it was white, because it's the first time he'd ever laid eyes on it after buying yeah, it, yeah. I would say that. But but this can't be the first time. And, like, if, and if he's playing an experienced bounty hunter, there's no way an experienced bounty hunter is going to go, I pull out this bright white weapon and I take aim with it, he's going to get it an inch out and go, fuck, that thing's white. I can't use that right now. Right. 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 That's the and other thing. The GM is that being a douchebag, too, for the GM? Saying, oh, by the way, it's white, before he gets spotted. It's less so. It's less so. Mm-hmm. If, if the player forgot to say, I'm going to mod this up to match my kit, um, I, I think it's less douchey for the, how, DM, for how the DM to say. Sh- how strict should you be about that stuff? I think it's, uh, for this guy particularly, if we go back to the beginning of the email, he says that it's part of his character's whole thing, that he mods and paints his kit, so right. it completely yeah. matches. So it sounds like it's a habitual thing he's doing as he gets new items throughout the game. Right. So in that case, I think it is kind of douchey to just be like, haha, you forgot to mod this one. Yeah, right. like, <laughs> that's kind of shitty to just yeah. point out the one time he forgot to say, hey, I'm going to paint this thing. But... Um, like, if it's not something that your character habitually does and maybe didn't think to do, that's kind of a right. gray area. I tell you what. I'll put it to you this way. Vampire game. Mm-hmm. Okay? If we decided to all go hit a club one night. Right. And you said, oh, everyone screams and runs when you run when you walk in, Scully, because you <laughs> forgot to obfuscate. No, you, oh, yeah, you always do that. I'd be like, oh, fucking dude, come on. I obfuscate every time I step outside. And it, it costs you no blood to do it, right? Yeah. yeah. I, theoretically, I should make a... No, I don't have to make a roll for that. No, you don't do have to do anything. You just I don't. say you do it. Yeah. But, but well, it's the same kind of thing. There's the mechanic, though. You say you do it. There's still a mechanic to it, right? But, yeah, but if... Is that something that if, you, if you would fail require me to say every single say you time? Succeed? It, is that is something you would require I say every time? Like, no, I'm not a hard ass, but if someone was a stickler, I don't think you would be justified in getting pissed off at them. I, I, I wouldn't. I'd be like, oh yeah, you totally obfuscate. Would, what would you? Would you That's, be like, ah? Oh, if the mechanic, say, if the mechanic says the player must declare X, isn't that the same? Ignoring that, isn't that the same as the player must roll X? It's like fudging dice. I'm just kidding. I don't need to bring that up again. <laughs> I, isn't there a success, isn't there a chance that your obfuscation can fail? Actually, no. I, yeah, I, for obfuscate, I have to. It's turning invisible. I don't have to. Okay. Obfuscate, I should be making a roll every time. Okay. Because there's a chance that you yeah. think you look bitch, and you walk into a club, and everybody screams and goes, "Oh, oops! I guess yeah. I, I guess it didn't work." Yeah. For for the mask, I, I should be rolling. Well, then um, you should roll. So your point is moot. You've been cheating. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe if the GM said you need to roll that every once in a while. I don't, I don't I expect my <laughs> players to know the rules for their powers. <laughs> Horror There's story too many two. of them, sorry. I'll try and keep this one short. Oh, uh, you failed. Tobin was a badass. He had gone to some new Republic world and caused some trouble. I soon found out that the GM wanted to capture me and at what lengths he'd go to. It became clear that his story relied on me being in irons at the end of the session. That's always a bad idea. I narrowly may be... I narrowly made my way back to my ship, ready to flee the planet. The docking authority have sealed the bay and pulled the usual, I'm going to blow your ship up if you don't let me out routine. Tobin was the kind of guy that would have let the ship blow up, though. He had issues. Anyway, the authorities open the bay doors, and my ship streaks out 
only to be pursued by 20 A-wings. Yes, 20. I thought he was taking a piss. Yeah, but they're A-wings. But I soon realized <laughs> as 20 crack pilots pursue me, he informs me that I'm about to leave the atmosphere. I tell him that I'm going to smack the hyperspace button, count a beat, and smack it and again. He looks at me as if I'm crazy, and I think, I've got him. He tells me I'll need an amazing role to just not die immediately as there is no chart plotted. I say, I'm hoping to pop out in real space at the edge of the system, giving me time to chart a proper route. He tells me to roll. I cross my fingers and roll a natural 20. My ship disappears and reappears at the edge of the system. Tobin stretches his limbs and smiles as he's evaded the A-Wings and the Republic douchebags. The GM informs me that the proximity of the sensors blurt and suddenly a Mon Calamari cruiser pops out of high <laughs> in front of me and locks, onto, locks his tractor beam onto me. How fortunate. That's a trap. That's a trap. That's a trap. Clearly, of course it's Mon Calamari, why wouldn't it? Clearly the GM hell-bent on capturing my character is using the yes and but. It's not only yes and, but as well, method. It's yes and fuck you. <clears throat> it was infuriating as I've had taken a massive risk and pulled the role. Hey, especially the role. if you got a 20. I, you turned your yeah, critical yeah, success yeah. into yeah. shit. I felt deflated. <clears throat> uh, I was... I think this was late in the campaign, shortly after it, uh, we wound it up. Uh, I still wind the GM up about the sniper rifle and the natural 20 hyperspace roll. He's a good guy, and he takes it in stride, but I think you'll agree, two bad judgment calls. Anyway, keep up the good shit. Chat more, play more, drink more. Pete from St. Albans. P.S. Drink. Drink. Yay. Oops. So Cheers, Did I mess it up? I didn't. Okay. All right. That yeah, I think him. he messed it up. Mm-hmm. You think who messed? Oh, the GM. Too, too bad. Yeah, it, you, the guy rolls a twenty. That's a uh, yeah. You get away. There's with no whatever you that. wanted to do, right? Yep. Yep. That's things, a twenty, dude. Yeah, things go exactly as you wanted, or or better. Yeah, it's better. Stork the twenty yeah. is the numbers on the other side of the one. <laughs> you never, you never see him. So <laughs> I thought I just they're there. I'm I thought con- I just yeah, I'm they're there. Convinced that the the two and the zero add extra weight so that the one just pops up more. <laughs> so I th- there is more ink. Yeah. Exactly. There's more ink. When you had to fill it with crayon, <laughs> right? It actually added more. It probably threw off all the the, the <laughs> wax. It's heavier than than the bakelite. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's call it. Yeah, it's, it's ten. I don't even know. I don't even know what my name is. Anymore. <clears throat> yes, you do. Story. <laughs> well, listeners of Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. Thank you for joining us for season sixteen, episode three of Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. Samantha. Start. I'm Tim. Thank you for joining us. See you next week, Friday, eight thirty p.m. Pacific time. We have someone from. I don't remember what podcast. Was it? We have another guest. I don't remember what it is. Was it RPG? I don't, maybe. I think it, maybe. I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah. But I'll, I'll post it in the forum. Go to our forum, forum. I'll post it there. Thank you. We'll Thank you, chat room.
Dandy, my dear Annie. Oh, you New York girls, can't you dance the polka? Well, shipmates, listen unto me. I'll tell you in this song of the things that happen to me when I come home from Hong Kong. To me, waste and tea, my dear Annie. Oh, you New York girls, can't you dance the polka? I walked out to Chatham Street, a fair maid I didn't meet. She asked me please to see her home, she lived on Baker Street. I said, my dear young lady, I'm a stranger in this town. I got off ship just yesterday, from Liverpool she was bound. To me, wait, my dear Annie. Oh, you New York girls, can't you dance the polka? Now, if you'll only come with me, you can have a treat. I'll buy a beer and brandy and ten and four to eat. I took her out to Tiffany's and I spared no expense. I bought her two gold earrings and they cost me fifty cents. To me, ways and tea, my dear Annie. Oh, you New York girls, can't you dance the polka? And when we reached the bar room, the drinks was handed round. The liquor was so awful strong, my head spun round and round. When the drinking it was over, we straight to bed did go. But little did I ever think she'd prove me overthrow. To me, ways and team, my dear Annie. Oh, you New York girls, can't you dance the polka? When I came to next morning, I had an aching head. And there was I, Jack, all alone, stuck naked on the bed. All around the room, but nothing could I see But a lady shift an apron, which now belonged to me To me, waste and team, my dear Annie Oh, you New York girls, can't you dance the polka? Everything was silent, the hour was eight o'clock I put my shift and apron on and headed for the dock The old man cried, boy, check me boy, and sure I could have found A better suit than that by far to buy for eighty pounds To me, waste and tea, my dear Annie Oh, you New York girls, can't you dance the polka? So come on, meet police, sailor men, take a warning when ashore Or else you'll meet some charming girl who's nothing but a whore your hard and cash will disappear, your rig and boots as well. For Yankee girls is tougher than the other side of hell. To me, ways and team, my dear Annie. Oh, you New York girls, can't you dance the polka? To me, ways and team, my dear Annie. Oh, you New York girls, can't you dance the polka? The preceding program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum 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 bum